Angela Bowen, the host of Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. How's everyone doing today? The weather is so nice outside. Well, today, see, in Season 4, Episode 11 of Punky Brewster, we finally get to see Betty and Cherry's apartment. We've never seen it before. In the episode, Aunt Larnice is Coming to Town, which aired on May 11th, 1988. And the synopsis for this episode is, Betty's sister... What in the world? Oh. Uh, Jeremy just sent me a text about... Uh, his break being later because he calls me on his break. Um, Betty's sister Larnice, a world famous singer, asks Cherry to come live with her in France. Spoilerish, she actually wants to put Cherry in a boarding school. That is kind of a moot point. Why would you take her to another country to live with you when you're just going to pop her in a boarding school? That's stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. And the woman is a singer, like a world-renowned, world-famous singer, according to the the synopsis here. It's like, you're not even going to be around to see her. What is the point? To get her cultured and everything? To take her away from her grandmother? To take her away from her friends and her school and everything? To have a normal upbringing? Pass. So this episode was directed by Nick Abdo, A-B-D-O, Abdo. Uh, it also, the writers were David Dicklin, who is the creator, so he writes on it, and usually he'll have one other person. Sean, R-O-C-H-E, Sean Roach? Let's see, I'm kind of curious if he, he is still, right, uh, super book, I'm not sure what that is, Veggie Tales. Wrote an episode for that. A lot of Christian-themed, religious-themed type of stuff. Um, let's see. I just, I'm curious if he wrote any other episodes. He wrote, this is the only episode that he wrote. Police Academy had a series? Really? I didn't know. Super, uh, just little things that he wrote, like. Oh, he wrote ten episodes for Elvin and the Chipmunks. Cool. So the episode opens in the kitchen. Punky is wrapping a birthday gift as Brandon's kind of hanging out in the chair by her. So she asks Brandon for his paw because, you know, she's got to make a little bow with the, um, what is in that bag, I wonder, in that gift wrapping? Well, she's got the ribbon. Of course, she wants to make a little bow. Like, hey, Brandon, I need your paw here. So he puts it there, and she kind of wraps the ribbon around it to make a bow. Oh, so Brandon asks what it is, and Punky's like, oh, it's a Walkman for Cherry's birthday. Yeah, because Walkmans were the thing back in the 80s. I had one, but not until 1994, 93, something like that. That was, like, my lifeline when I was in, like, fourth and fifth grade all the way up until I finally got a portable CD player for Christmas of eighth grade. Let me tell you, you can definitely tell when your batteries are going dead when you're listening to a Walkman because the song starts to play slower, and it's just, like, you can definitely tell. 
And then, of course, on the portable DVD player, <laughs> the portable CD player that I got in eighth grade, which that lasted me, it might have lasted me all through high school. I don't know. Maybe not. Now that I think about it, because when I got it for Christmas, I think it was like $29.99. It was your basic, it wasn't RCA or anything like that. I remember seeing it in an ad for Best Buy and saying, Dad, this is what I want. And the CD I had, because I had gotten a CD player. My auntie got me one for an early birthday gift in July in 1996. And I got, and the first CD I got was Terry Clark, because I listened to country music. And then, of course, at Christmas time, my dad got me the Mavericks CD, What a Crying Shame. And the thing is, with portable CD players, they suck up a lot of battery. The most you will get out of batteries, you'll get two days tops. By the third day... I, I would see that flashing battery light, and it would just go, I'd be listening to a song, just boop. So, and I don't know why I thought this would help. I would take the batteries out while I'm on the bus and rub them between my hands, thinking that maybe I'm giving it a little more juice for that 30-minute uh, bus ride to school. I was telling my uh, co-worker, Ricky, about it, and he's like, and you thought that would help by taking them out and the, uh, rubbing the batteries together between your palms? I'm like, I was desperate. I needed my music. It helped drown out the screaming kids on the bus. So I guess Brandon wants one, but he wants a, as she says, for your birthday, I'll get you a walk dog. Maybe that's the uh, Walkman version for dogs. The walk dog. So now we get to see Betty's apartment. She is busy at the sewing machine. So Henry's got uh, a little gift bag. He's got some cassettes that he's going to give Cherry for her birthday. Oh, okay, it's her birthday. That's probably why her Aunt Larnice is coming to town. Well, she's probably got a gig in, San or in Chicago also. So I want to play this clip here. Henry's got Janet Jackson. Yeah, she was all the rage back in 1988. So. Basically, um, Betty has Cherry's jean jacket that, uh, she's kind of bedazzling it, you know, putting little diamond, like, studs in it and stuff, like, really, like, bedazzling it out. It looks really, really awesome. And she tells Henry, this is actually going to be Cherry's birthday gift. I've been working on this for three months. That just looks so cool. Is that the same jean jacket that she got stuck in the refrigerator with in season two? So, uh, Betty is interrupted by the phone, and it's her aunt. <laughs> it's her sister, her baby sister, Lanice. I'm sorry. The, the title Aunt Lanice is getting stuck in my head. So, even Henry has heard of Lanice. Um, Larnice, not Lanice, it's Larnice, Larnice, yes, sorry. So we find out that is actually 
Betty's baby sister. So, Betty is probably what? Like, late, late 40s, maybe? mid, Early to mid 50s, maybe? So, is there a considerable amount of age difference between Betty and her sister who maybe might be in her early 30s? I mean, if she's in her 20s, there's a heck of an age gap there. I mean, my sister and I, I'm the baby of the family. There's just the two of us, and she's six years older than me. Yeah, try having a six-year-old try to relate to a 13-year-old or a 12-year-old. No, 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 no. So I got kind of my musical influences through uh, Nicole. I mean, we all, you know, listen to country music and everything like that because that's what, you know, we grew up with. And then, of course, some of the other musical influences, like I remember Nicole listening to Janet Jackson, um, The Bangles, Tiffany, she actually, I don't know how this happened, but she convinced me that she wrote this song, I Think We're Alone Now, by Tiffany. And I remember hearing it on the bus and telling this kid across to me, like, my sister wrote that song. That's her song. Yeah, I was so gullible. <laughs> I remember being in the car with my sister and her friend who was driving. And I was probably about maybe eight or so at the time. And that song, um, Baby Got Back, came on. You know, the whole thing with that little uh, thing at the beginning with the girl saying, Oh my God, look at her butt. It's so big. Blah, 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 blah. So Betty's like, Oh, where's my baby sister this time? London, Paris, Rome. So Henry is really heard of her. Like, Oh my God, tell me everything. Because she, she's such a world traveler, you know, being a world-famous singer and everything. Oh, my God! I want to play this clip! Henry is so excited. Like, oh, my... Because she's calling from an airplane, and Henry is, like, rubbing his hands and going, like, Oh, my God, let me talk to her! Oh, my gosh, I've never talked to anybody who was on an airplane before! Oh, my gosh! That's about as, as thrilling as when you get a call from somebody who's talking on a phone in a car. Back in the late 80s, early 90s. Like, oh my gosh, how is this possible? You're talking on a phone in a car? No way. No way. Hello? Lonnie's. It's Lonnie's. Oh, where's my baby sister this time? London, Paris, Rome? Let me say hello. You calling from an airplane? Oh, I've never talked to anybody on an airplane. <laughs> well, where are you headed? Thrill. Of course I'm excited. Don't I sound excited? Do I sound excited? Of course I'm excited. Uh-huh. Right. Great. Bye. Lionese is flying in special for Jerry's birthday tomorrow. That piece of news seems to have left you underjoyed. Underjoyed and underwhelmed. Lionese always makes me feel inadequate. Why? She's a rich, beautiful, and famous singer. And whenever she walks into a room, I just seem to disappear. <laughs> a woman your size could never disappear. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's because your personality is so large. Forget it. I should be happy Larnice is coming. 
Usually for Cherry's birthday, she sends an expensive gift and an empty promise that she'll see her soon. But she's making a real effort this time. She's flying in for Cherry's party. Yeah, I'm amazed. Now I got to rip up this jacket. Rip it up? You crazy? Henry, you're so uncool. The cool thing is to have clothes that look like they're worn out. Oh, well, then why don't we go down and back the car over it? Great idea. Maybe you are a real cool dude. <laughs> Oh, I think that is just so funny. The way he's trying to grab at the phone while Betty's on it. He's like, oh, he's like trying to pull it from her. And she finally slaps his hand away. Like, Sit down, Henry. I'm trying to talk to my sister. So, Larnice tells Betty, I uh, happen to be in town. I'd like to stop by for Cherry's birthday party. And... You know, uh, Betty's like, oh, okay, sure, that, that sounds great. And, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, of course I'm excited. Don't I sound excited? And she gets off the phone, and Henry's like, wow, you don't sound excited at all. And Betty just kind of says she feels like she's being, you know, outshined by her, her baby sister because Larnice is a world-famous singer and everything like that, and whenever... Larnice walks into a room. It's like everyone notices her and I just happen to disappear. And of course, Henry has to make a ferret joke about, like, oh, woman, your size could never disappear. And then he tries to, like, back it up and, like, say, oh, I meant, like, you have such a big personality. Like, whatever, Henry. So I like that, um, they, it comes back to the jacket that Cherry are, that is for Cherry's birthday that Betty like bedazzled and everything, and she says, "All right, now I gotta rip this up." And Henry's like, "Wait, why? You worked so hard on it." And she explains, "It's like, well, kids today like clothes that you know ha are kind of shredded, like they're they look like they're worn out." And I kind of wonder, is this a thing that is coming back? you know, clothes that look like they're worn out that are purposely, like, ripped. Like, you can buy a pair of, like, jeans that just look like a dog just, like, a tiger just shredded them with the claws and everything like that. I, I don't know. I'm not huge into fashion, and I really don't shop for clothes too, too often. But, um... Yeah, I'm just kind of thinking about that. Like, hmm, I wonder if... I thought, like, is the eight of... It's the 80s or is it the 90s that those fashions... I think I thought it was the 90s the fashions are... Like, we're big, we love the 80s and everything like that. But I think now the 90s are starting to make a comeback. Gosh, can you imagine by 2040 that the early aughts will be a thing to come back to? Like, gosh, remember in the early 2000s, the early aughts when these were popular? Let's bring these back. All right, so the next scene, it's dark in Betty's apartment. Everyone's like, blah, 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 like, because Cherry's not there yet. They're doing a surprise party, which is you turn off all the lights, you hide. The person walks in the door, flip on the lights, boom, you pop out from your hiding spots behind the couch and scream, surprise, happy birthday! I have never in all my life had a surprise birthday party. It's always been planned. I remember my 16th birthday, my sister got me this really nice cake, and she started the, singing that 16 Candles song or something like that. Uh, hmm. 
I wonder if my birthday was on a weekend then, because there's a lot more family than normal that had turned out for it. When I was um, eight years old, I remember that my mom had got me a copy of The Little Mermaid. This would have been in uh, 1990. It was my first birthday living at my aunt and uncle's house. And my aunt took me to see my mom because she was in an adult care facility. And my mom had gotten me Little Mermaid. Well, that same morning, my dad had come over and given me a copy of the Little Mermaid. So my cousin, my younger cousin John, was like, oh, she already has that. Saying that to my mom. Of course... We had to, like, cover that up, like, uh, like sh shut up, John, shut up, John, you're gonna hurt my mom's feelings. Um, so, my dad took his copy back, and I wanted to get, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, because I was looking through the little booklet inside the VHS that, like, has other Disney movies, and my cousins are all like, no, no, get Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, we saw it in the theater, it's really, really good, because I hadn't seen it. So I'm like, okay, yes, I'll get Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And I remember that weekend, I went to my dad's, and I walked in the house, and my sister was, like, already watching it. It was, like, halfway through the movie. Like, oh my gosh. I want to play this clip of everyone in the dark. They're all, like, complaining. Like, ow, you're stepping on my Gucci's! And Marco yells at Cherry, like, sorry. Or no, she yells at Punky, like, geez, sorry, Margo, dang. Betty finally gives up, like, dang it, I'm turning on a light. Be quiet, everyone. Jerry can walk in any minute. Oh, Jerry, you're not lights on everyone's looking out the window like oh could that be cherry it looks like her it might be her and then they hear her kind of right behind the door so they all kind of gather behind the couch after flipping off the light cherry's like oh i'm home she says loudly she turns on the light and everyone's like surprise happy birthday and she's like oh my gosh thank you so much and she's wearing the jacket that Betty made. It's really awesome. She's got, um, not just, it's not just bedazzled, but it's got, like, silvery, like, uh, cutout pieces on the shoulders. And it's also got, like, little frilly tassels, like, by where the pocket would be on the front. And it's also got a ripped hole in the elbow area. It's really, really nice. I like that. So, uh, they say, uh, the girls say, hey, we like your jacket, and Cherry's like, oh, yeah, I found it on my bed this morning. My grandma made it. And, yeah, that looks like it would take 
Betty a few months to do just because, you know, with her being a nurse, you know, she's probably trying to make that in her spare time, trying to make it when Cherry is not there because, you know, the sewing machine's out in the living room, so she's got to be kind of discreet about it. And I, Punky's like, hey, look at Brandon. He looks like he's ready to party. And he's got one of those noisemakers uh, noise that you, like, blow. And then the thing, like, kind of unfolds and everything. And he's got this little itty-bitty fireman's cap on. It looks like something that would, like, fit on London's head or Quinn's. Although Quinn probably wouldn't want that on her head. London, I really don't think so. Alfie, my rabbit, um, who had passed away, like, five years ago, um, he would let me dress him up. He and Toby was kind of tolerant. My guinea pig, they were okay with it. But Quinn and London, not really. <laughs> so looking at Betty's apartment, this almost looks like Henry's. The only difference is the couch is blue. There's actual curtains, like really nice curtains over the windows facing the street. It's just really, really pretty. So there's a knock at the door, and... Cherry gets up excited, like, oh my gosh, it's Anne Lardice! And we get an, appa uh, an applause break, so I want to look up this actress and see if maybe she was in any shows where she was really, really big and everything. So I'm looking at some of the stuff that she did. Right before she did this episode of Punky Brewster, she was in eight episodes of the soap opera Days of Our Lives as Tamara Price. She was, basically, before that, it was just a bunch of, like, one-episode things in, uh, The Fall Guy, Santa Barbara, she was in two episodes of that. She's in a movie called The Fantastic World of D.C. Collins, which starred, uh, um, what's, uh, what the heck is that kid's name? Um, Gary Coleman, I'm sorry, from Different Strokes. She was in an episode of The Love Boat, The Wind Andy Williams Show, and It Takes a Thief, so... But what did she do after, though? Um, she's in two episodes of the Jamie Foxx show in 2001. Uh, Women of the House. Is that a spinoff of, uh... Oh! This is kind of... Okay, Women of the House. That's a spinoff of, uh, Designing Women. It's got, uh, what's-her-face in it? Um, something... Delta Burke. Okay, alrighty. Alright, uh, let's get back to this episode. I'm sorry, guys. I just, I thought about that applause break. Like, everyone's like, woo, yay, yeah! And I was like, okay, she's got to be from something famous. And I'm like, no, I don't really see anything other than the fact that she was on Designing Women, or, um, she was on the Days of Our Lives soap opera right before, so that's about it. I mean, eight episodes, that's a short arc. So, Anne Larnese takes one look at Cherry like, oh my gosh, you can't be my niece. You are a tall, beautiful young lady. You've been taking gorgeous pills. Like, so she's very, very in tune with a uh, person's phys physical attributes. You know, how they, basically their looks and everything like that. Like, great. Well, she is a singer, so she's got to be you know, careful about her appearance and everything. I'm not saying she's superficial or anything like that, but whatever. So she's clearly made uh, visits to see them because she recognizes Punky. Like, oh, Punky, you've gotten so pretty. 
I'd be like, uh, no thanks. As opposed to what? Me being a tomboy before and my hair and pigtails? Was that the last time she came to town? Is in season two when Punky still had pigtails? Margo wastes no time pushing Punky out of the way and, like, introducing herself. Like, hi, I'm Margo. <laughs> you probably heard of my family, the Kramers. Like, whoa, no, I have not, but it's nice to meet you. Henry, right away, is like, oh my goodness, Larnice, my favorite singer. And she she loves, Larnice loves the flattery. Like, oh, my favorite flatterer. And Betty is kind of looking at Henry like, okay, Henry, lay off, all right? <laughs> so she, of course, greets Betty like, oh, Betty, my favorite sister. And Betty hugs her and she's like, uh, I'm your only sister. So is it just the two of them? They don't have brothers or anything? Huh. Well, I want to play this clip. I got presents for everybody. And Whitmore, I believe, is like her assistant or chauffeur assistant. Because he comes in with the gift saying, oh, you left them on the plane first and you left them in the limo. And then um, she's telling Cherry how, oh, I'm pretty much all yours for the weekend. You know, whatever you want, we can do whatever we want. And, of course, Whitmore is like, well, you can't because you actually have to be at this place at a certain time because, you know, she's a singer. And, of course, Betty kind of side-mouths to Henry how I knew that this there wasn't, she didn't just come in for Cherry's birthday. He's like, so what if she didn't? So what if she had something going on and she wanted to stop in? My goodness. So that Whitmore guy leaves, thank goodness, because he's kind of a stuffy stuff shirt. Uh, and Larnie sits on the couch with Cherry, and Cherry's like, oh, tell me all about Paris. And per um, Larnie says, like, oh, it's very nice and everything. And, of course, Margot's got a butt in, like, oh, I've been to Paris. The shopping is divine, and the people, well, they actually speak French. That's amazing how good they are at French. And I'm thinking, well, they should be. They live there. So, Larnice asks Cherry how she's doing in school, and Cherry just kind of shrugs her shoulders like, meh, school, doing alright, considering it's school. So, Larnice kind of pulls Cherry over to her and says, Cherry, you should come to Paris. Um, say what now? <laughs> and Cherry's like, oh, I'd love to see Paris, and of course she asks her grandma, like, hey grandma, can I go? I like, yeah, cool, if it's a summer break or something, awesome, go for a week or so, but I don't think that's what Larnice has in mind. 
So Betty, of course, will say, sure, you can go to Paris, save your allowance. And of course, Cherry's like, man, if I start saving now, I could get to Paris in about 300 years. So Punky's like, hey, um, Cherry, I'm dying to know what's in that long silver box. You know, I don't want to be nosy, but I kind of want to see what's in there. And Cherry opens the box, and it is this beautiful silverish gold dress with a um little like um belt uh sash thing around the waist. It's really pretty. I'm like, oh, that is beautiful. I like it. And I really don't wear dresses, but I like it. Oh, it's an evening gown, according to Cherry. Like, oh, my first evening gown. It's so pretty. Oh my gosh, Cherry wastes no time shrugging off that jacket that Betty worked so hard on like it's nothing. Thank you. Oh, and it lands right in Betty's hand, and she kind of looks, Betty looks at it, and, you know, she's hurt. Her heart's breaking. Like, I worked so hard on this, and you shrug it off like it's garbage. But it's like, Cherry's just excited. She's excited. That's all. I I understand, you know, Betty feels a little hurt and everything. Because, you know, Cherry's like, oh, I'm never going to take this off. As soon as she sees the evening gown, bye-bye jacket. So this is like an elegant, um, an elegant, like, hall, like a dinner theater-looking thing. There's even a spot where some people are dancing. There's tables set up and everything as we see Margot and the rest of the crew kind of filing in to watch um, Larnice perform. Punky's dress, let me tell you. Poofy sleeves, poofy shoulders. I don't like it. It's very generic-looking. I mean, it's like a powder blue color, but it's just, and it's like polyester, like satiny with a red rim around the collar, and it just, I don't like it. So, Punky picks, Punky picks a napkin off the floor. I can't talk today. I don't know why. And she's, oh, someone wrote a poem on here. There once was a man from Nantucket. It's that kind of joke. And I'm like, clearly it is, those jokes I want to look those up. I know they're perverted. They gotta be. Because every time you hear one, someone always cuts the person off before they finish. Yeah, before she has a chance to read it, Henry rips it out of her hand. Like, I'll take that, thank you. Yeah, I just looked it up. That is nasty. That is gross. I don't want to hear... Ooh. I can see why it's... I mean... I've read things before, you know, and whatnot, but that's just, ugh, I can see why people always cut off at the end. So the announcer comes on, of course, he's got to make a crack about Henry's car, like, oh, did someone in here drive a 1955 DeSoto? And Henry, of course, is like, oh, I'm sorry, did I leave my lights on? And the announcer's like, no, I just wanted to see what the owner of a car like that would look like, and, <laughs> yeah. So her full name is Larnice Barker, so... Is that, that, she's clearly, she's not married. So, was Barker, like, Betty's last name? Like, her name was Betty Barker? And then she got married and her last name became Johnson? Her, her singing is definitely, sorry about that. Her singing is definitely of the times in the late 80s. It sounds like, um, 
a mix of like the the flash dance and like um Pat Benatar and stuff like that. Really is her song is called Stand Up and and just about having, you know, faith encouraging yourself and everything and standing up for what you believe in. It's a really cool song. I like it for what I'm hearing of it and everything. Cause I thought she was gonna be like one of those lounge sing- singers that seems that seems like that sings, you know, Robert Goulet and those kind of lounge acts, um, Wayne Newton stuff like. But no, it's of the times. So she does get the girls up to dance, and this is a long, long scene. Um, I'm not playing it, but um, it eats up a lot of time. Cause of course the next after this is gonna be her inviting. Cherry to come and live with her in France, and I can't see Cherry wanting to do that. I mean, visit, sure. Hang out for spring break? Definitely, I'm there. Bring Punky along, too. But living there? Mm-mm. No, no, no. Oh my gosh! She had the gall, Aunt Lornice did, to say this on stage, in front of everybody. I, she says, and I'm gonna play this clip. She asks, Cherry, like, I hope, Cherry, that you'll come live with me in Paris. What? Why would you? Oh, my God. You don't do that. She totally blindsided Betty. Of course, Punk, uh, um, Cherry's so excited about that. It's like, wow, yes, of course she's going to be excited. She's a kid. The idea of living in Paris yeah, wait, if you go there, it's going to take a bit. Wait till that sinks in, that decision you made. Because it's going to sink in. And you're going to realize that you made a mistake. She's not, spoiler alert, guys, she's not going to Paris. Like I said, she could have asked her, hey, you want to come and visit me? Not live forever. I mean, I'm sure there are great opportunities. You know what? While you wait, she can come and visit. And then see, like, once... Cherry gets out of high school, like, hey, you want to come and visit, and you can have opportunities to do things and stuff like that, you know, but uh, she's 11 years old. Come on, lady, you did not have to do that. Special night, not just because I'm back here in Chicago, but also because it's Cherry's birthday. <laughs> What do you think? I think 
isn't as important as what you think. I think. <laughs> so what do you think? I think I'm getting a headache. I got a headache as soon as I heard you might be leaving. So you want me to stay? No, you should go. Really? Sure. I think it's great. Thanks, Pokey. And you know what else? Lord, by this, like, oh my, no. And they get back to the apartment, and of course, Cherry's all like, up, like, oh my gosh, I want to go, can I go, Grandma? And Betty's like, you know what, no, we'll see, all right, I gotta think about this. And Henry, of course, is thinking, oh my gosh, she's actually considering letting her go? No. She, Betty, you and I, we gotta, let's have some coffee down at my place. And Betty's like, you know, I have coffee here. And he's like, no, I have thinking coffee, because I got some beans I gotta grind with you. So, they head out, Punky and Cherry kind of sit down on the couch. Cherry wants to know Punky's opinion, like, hey, do you think I should go? I mean, what do you think about this? And... Punky, of course, keeps deflecting the question and bouncing it back to Cherry. Like, I don't know, you know, I mean, what do you think about this? And Cherry's like, well, I'd like to know what, you know, your opinion is. And, of course, Punky's putting on this creepy-looking smile. Like, hey, hey, yeah, I think you should go. I'm very happy for you. It's a really creepy smile. I'm lying through my teeth. Yes, you are, Punky. You're lying through your teeth. Um, <laughs> and... Punky's basically, you know, I'm not going to lie. If you go, I mean, it's a great opportunity, but I can't say that I'm not going to miss you because you know I will. You're my best friend. I really don't think I could stand it if you weren't here. I'm, I mean, and Punky understands, you know, this is an amazing opportunity to do something fun and exciting. And so now we go to the apartment, uh, Henry's apartment, and he's kind of sitting down with Betty and chatting with her about this thing, because this is a big decision. And I think Aunt Larnice, did she come to town with that agenda in mind? Because she, uh, I doubt she just dropped that bomb just on purely coincidence. No, that was on purpose. So, Betty agrees with Henry, like, yeah, of course I was floored when she dropped that bombshell. But now Betty's kind of thinking... As far as, you know, she's fighting to make ends meet, you know, working this nursing job, just barely able to keep a roof over, a roof over both their heads. And she says, maybe Cherry would be better off with Larnice, because Larnice can give her things. So she says, a great education, beautiful clothes, and a chance to see the world. Um, tell you what, clothes and seeing the world... Those are just little 
frivolous things. They're like, but a, and a great education, I mean, yeah, great, but look how much she'd be sacrificing. Because we're going to find out later when Betty finally does confront Larnice. Larnice is going to drop Cherry in a boarding school. That's it. like, oh, she'll have great, like, what in the world? Oh, my goodness. Henry's trying to talk sense into Betty. Like, no, you are what Cherry needs. You are stability. You may not be able to get fancy schmancy clothes and whatnot and take her on lavish vacations, but you're there for her when she needs you. Larnice is a singer. She's all over the place. She is not going to be able to be there when Cherry needs her. So Henry brings up, is like, you raised Cherry. Wouldn't it break your heart to see her go? And Betty's like, there are no amount of words in the world that can describe how much I love this child, but I'm just thinking of, you know, the opportunities that she can be given. So she's saying how Larnice is exciting and glamorous, and, you know, Betty just feels, you know, old and out of it with, you know, basically, you know, she can't relate, she's... 50-something years old, she can't relate to a 11-year-old. Well, who can? You know, I want to play this clip here um, of Henry kind of talking Betty up, and he's like, you know, Larnice is great and all that, but she's not everything. I don't want to hear any more about how Larnice is great and you're nothing. It's not true. It is the best person for Cherry is not who's most interesting at a cocktail party or who has the most important friends or has the most travel stickers on her luggage. The best person for Cherry is one who will be the best parent. You're right, Henry. And since I'm not available, the next best choice is you. So Henry basically says, you know, you are what's best for Cherry. She needs you, so she doesn't need somebody who's great at cocktail parties and everything, and has a lot of friends and a bunch of, you know, luggage tags and all that stuff. That's a world-renowned traveler. So Betty's like, you're right, Henry, you're right. So, all right, now we get back to Betty's apartment, and she's, like, furiously dusting with the spray and everything. She's frustrated. She's singing that song that Larnice sang at the club called Stand Up. But she's doing it aggressively. So Larnice is back. She just finished up the second show. And I think Betty's finally going to let her have it. Just everything that's been bottled up probably for years, she's going to let out. So Betty flat out says, Cherry is not coming to Paris with you. And the way that Larnice puts her arm around Betty and kind of pushes her down into the couch. It's almost like she's doing it, like, patronizingly or condescending in a way. It's like, now, Betty, you know you can't give her everything that she needs. I can provide that. It's like, don't talk down to your big sister. You may be a world-renowned traveler to Larnice, but you don't know everything. So I want to play this clip when Betty says, oh, really? Okay, you think you know what she needs? What kind of schools were you looking at in France? 
And of course, Lardy's like, oh, France has wonderful boarding schools. Like, oh, a boarding school. Really? Okay, so you're just going to dump her off there and just leave her. Yeah. In a place, in a country that she knows nothing about. She doesn't know the language. She doesn't know the people. That is insane. That's like punky at Fenster Hall. Insane. But here's the clip. Now, Betty, let's be honest here. I can give her opportunities that you just, you just can't. Oh, really? Well, let's just talk about those opportunities. <coughs> what kind of school did you have in mind? Oh, France has wonderful boarding schools. Oh, so that means you wouldn't be willing. Well, what about during the summer when you're on tour? Well, she can stay in my townhouse in Paris. It's fully staffed. Oh, then you wouldn't be with her. Well, what happens when Cherry has a problem or question? Who does she talk to? Well, there's always Whitmore. Larnice. The man is allergic to children. They have shots for that. But Cherry can't be sandwiched between your career and your social life. I just want what's best for her. Kids need structure and organization. You need a secretary to just tell you where your head is. Maybe we should ask Cherry what she wants. You don't ask a 12-year-old to make that kind of decision. Any parent would know that. Hi. Cherry, why aren't you asleep? Because my eyes are open and I'm standing up. Well, go back to bed, honey. Okay, but first, can I say something not Larnice? Of course, sugar. What's on your mind? I don't want to move to Paris. You don't? I'm sorry. My friends are here, my school's here, and most important, Grandma's here. I'd miss her. I even miss her when she works late nights at the hospital. I'd go nuts with the whole ocean between us. I understand. Your grandma's a pretty special lady, and I ought to know. Before she was your grandma, she was my big sister. She still is. Oh, <laughs> Want to make this a family hug? You bet. also says like okay um so you want to dump her in a boarding school that is stupid how about when you go on tour in the summer what's gonna happen to cherry then you gonna bring her with you like Larnice is like oh no no she, i got a fully stocked staff fully staffed uh, townhouse in france you know cherry can hang out there and betty's like oh great so you're not gonna be with her like at all who well, if she has a problem who is she gonna turn to and, of course, Larnice like, oh, there's always Whitmore. And Betty's like, the man is allergic to children. He told us that. It's like, 
So, what is the real, re just the idea like, oh, I can give her more? What, financially? Sure. Emotionally? No. You can't give her anything emotionally. And that's what it, but he's like, a child needs structure. They also need Structure and organization, that's what Betty says. And she even says, Cherry cannot be sandwiched between your career and your social life. And that's exactly where you're going to place her, on the bottom of the list, while your career and your social life are the top two things. You can't do that to a kid. And Betty is like, you are not, basically it boils down to, you are not mature enough to take on a child. You have too much other stuff going on. You know, and if you were a parent, you'd understand that, you know, kids need structure and everything like that. And Betty's been a parent. She's raised her kids, so she knows. And she's been with Cherry since she was a little girl. She knows what Cherry needs. And we do get the thing that now that Cherry's had a birthday, she's now a 12-year-old. So she's almost a teenager, She's going to be having issues with her body, with self-confidence, with a hundred other little things. I mean, because they're on the verge of entering junior high. That is going to be a whole slew worth of problems. But Cherry comes out and she says, I want to talk to Aunt Lernice. Aunt Lernice, I don't want to go to Paris. I, or, I don't want to go to Paris. I'm sorry. <sighs> um... She's like, my friends are here, my school's here, everything I know is here, and grandma's here. You know, I can't even handle it when she goes to work at night. And the idea of an ocean between us, I can't deal with that. So, Larnice is like, oh, that's okay, sweetie, don't worry about it. And she's, Larnice says to Cherry, like, you know what, your grandma is a very special person. You know, I should know, because before she was your grandma... She was my big sister. And they hug. And it's sweet. I love it. And Henry and Punky come in at the last minute. Punky, of course, is like, Cherry, I'm putting my foot down. I don't want you to go. And, of course, Cherry's, like, got her arms crossed. And I thought she was going to say something. Like, where are you to tell me what to do? No, she's like, okay, I'm not leaving. I'm not going to Paris. They hug. Oh, it's so sweet. And that is the end of the episode. So now it's time for the Brandon Tailwick episode rating. I'm going to give this one... I'm going to give it a 3 out of 5. I liked um, Betty working hard on, on uh, Cherry's jacket. That was really awesome. I liked the whole thing at the end where... Lernie says, you know, Betty's a great person, because she was really talking down to Betty a lot, and just kind of making all these decisions, like, I'm going to do this, Cherry's going to come with me, and she kept saying, I can give her more than you can, which, you really can't, financially, sure, but on an emotional parental level, not really. Um, I also liked at the end, where, um, Punky comes in, she puts her foot down, because earlier she's like, I want whatever you want. I, I'll i pretend to be happy if that's what it takes, if this is what you want to go to Paris. But she finally, you know, she puts her foot down and says, I don't want you to go. I'm putting my foot down. You're not going. I loved that. It was really, really sweet. Um, the two things I did not like. I didn't like that Whitley Whitmore guy. I did not like him. He was not necessary. He was a pain in the butt. Doesn't like dogs. Doesn't like kids. 
Oh my goodness. And um, the other thing I didn't, I did not like Larnie's dropping that bombshell. And the only reason she did it, she says, is because of the the theatrics, the the way the the crowd was really, you know, into uh, the singing and everything. And she just, it was pure, you know, theatrics that she wanted that uh, that moment. Um, as far as for Punky's principles, um. I'm not a parent. I've never been in a custody battle or anything like that. Um, when I was a child, when I was eight, my mom was put in an adult care facility. I mentioned that on the podcast. My dad worked third shift, so he wasn't home. So I ended up, from the time I was, I think, it was the fall of 1989, so when I was seven, I started first grade. I lived at my aunt's house with my aunt and uncle, my cousins, five days a week. On the weekends, I would go to my dad's on Saturday, and he would drop me off Sunday night to my aunt and uncle's house. So that was an adjustment and everything like that. And then when I was going to be turning nine, I ended up moving back to my dad's. He was able to switch to second or uh, to first shift. I'm sorry. So he was able to be home and everything like that. That was an adjustment for me, but there's no custody battle or anything like that. And I just think that um, when it comes into the best interest of the child, just because you can take care of a child financially a little more than someone else does not mean there's more to it than just being able to afford them clothes and food and everything like that. There's also the emotional stability that they need. So, all right, let's say hey to some Wonderling listeners. Oh my goodness, guys, I can't talk. I See, I, I run multiple podcasts. Punky Power listeners, <laughs> that's what I meant. And then we'll talk about uh, the episode for Saturday. All right, we have Reno, Nevada, La- Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Lynn, Massachusetts, Katagiri, India, Dayton, Ohio, Easton, Maryland, Silver Spring, Maryland, and Mountain View, California. All right, the episode for Saturday is Season 4, Episode 12, entitled Dear Diary, which aired on May 12, 1988. While Henry tries to throw out souvenirs he has collected over the years, Punky tries to read Cherry's diary. Oh, you little snoop. Punky. After it accidentally goes out with the garbage, Punky and Margo search the dumpster to try and find it. How much did Punky have to pay Margo to get her to jump into a dumpster? My guess is quite a bit. Alright guys, have a wonderful Thursday. We are almost towards the weekend. And I will be back Saturday. Alright, bye bye.